everybody, welcome to another episode of Energy Rants. I'm Tanning Grace, and as always, I'm joined by Ross Miriam. Today, we're going to be going over uh, the ban announcement in Standard, something that's going to be interesting over the next few years as well, Ross. Uh, then we're going to be going over the Middle Earth cards, the Lord of the Rings stuff. And then we're going to finish off with a palette cleanser. We're going to talk uh, some Pioneer, kind of like what we used to be known for, because there's an RC this weekend that I'm doing coverage for and that you're participating in. Yeah, we're gonna. Well, the band's going to be all there. It's going to be a, a fun weekend in Dallas. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but a, a few other things to get to before we start breaking down a little Pioneer. Absolutely. Uh, how's how's your last week, week and a half been? Um, I don't know, but pretty typical. It's uh, it's we're getting to the point where I don't have basketball every day, so I'm I'm often left at night being like, what what do I do with my hands? So yeah, you're like, <laughs> it, it's funny that you and I we switch right because like basketball's almost over and the baseball's in full swing, and like now I I just like I kind of plan my my day around Braves games. Yeah, you know, like in fact, like you're very lucky that we're doing this recording now. There's a game in like 45 minutes. Or whatever. So, like, I'm oh, hoping wow. to get the game in, like, right after we're, we're done recording. Yeah, you'll, you'll miss the first couple innings. Uh, you say that I'm going to miss it. It's going to be up on the other screen. Buddy. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> All you're, right. You're going to be half watching the first couple innings. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying. When you're I've like, definitely yeah. recorded a podcast while watching a jazz game. Yeah, I, I think people at home have noticed when that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Ross just start randomly yelling the F word? I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that's just par for the course, Tandon. I could be doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So... Uh, yeah, no, I definitely feel you on that. What else has been going on? Um, you know, uh, we talked about Seattle last time, so this past weekend was boring. We were going to do fun things, but then rain happened. We're going to do fun things, and then rain happened, yeah. Yeah, there was some big big storm that we got sort of the, the top end yeah, of, so it sure. rained for a couple days, and um, I was supposed to finally play tennis today, but then I overslept and missed it, and... Now I'm mad at myself because tennis is great, uh, but yeah, really just spe- spending this week trying to get prepped for Dallas, get my get my deck all together. Had to borrow a bunch of cards. I think I have most of the the deck at this point. Thank you, Zach Weaver. <laughs> um, and um, you know, just uh, I, I, it's weird. I get like. I don't get anxiety now about the actual tournament, like the playing of the magic, but I get a lot of anxiety about the, just the logistics around it. For some yeah. reason, I'm just yeah. like always now so scared I'm going to miss a flight. The, the problem was I had never done it. And then like five years ago, I did it once. And now it I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So like, Two days beforehand, I'm just like, okay, do I have everything? Like, do I have my deck together? Do I, do I get all the cards? And like, when is my flight? Make sure I know all the details yeah. and like my confirmation number. And like, it's, it like destroys my life for like two days yeah. before I go to a tournament. No, but then, I, as I soon as I'm on the plane, yeah. fine. Yeah. Don't care. I'm like, sleep oh, the like magic. A, sleep like a baby. Part. Yeah. Sleep like <laughs> a baby the night before the event. Yeah. 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 No, I, I wouldn't really get it. I think it's like an adult type thing. Like I get like that too a lot. Uh, it messes with my sleep. And you had said right before we started the show that your sleep has been bad the last couple of days. And like, maybe that's part of it. You have some anxiety going oh, it was on. Oh, definitely. That, that was the reason I couldn't get to sleep last night. I like, didn't yeah. fall asleep till like six. And then I slept till one. Yuck. Uh, you just flip that around, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, for the start of it. Like, uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I have it easy this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm driving it. Because it's only like two and a half, three hours away from where I am right now. You know, I'm in Austin right now. So lucky. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive up. It's gonna be nice. I can't decide if I'm gonna come up. I'll probably end up coming up Thursday because I'm bored. 
that way I just have all of Friday that or I'll just like wake up relatively early on Friday just drive up take the leisurely like stroll in you know get my badge get stuff started I'll probably actually work on Friday I, I do a decent bit of like pre-recorded stuff for the broadcast yeah so if you're ever watching the broadcast and you see like me doing interviews and then you see like oh let's throw it out Tana for an interview and like for it's like obviously like a pre-recorded one I'm wearing something different it's because I do it on a different day I'm not like wardrobe changing in between in between rounds but, but it's it, it's nice to have like a bank of content to start yeah. your day with because so, Saturday is going to be such a long hectic day and you can yeah. easily fall behind so you've got yeah. a little bit of a, a of a cushion and anyone who's watched the Pro Tour recently, you see it's something that we implemented in the last couple of years with coverage where we started doing um, coverage this way. And I think it's just a better product where there's a delay. Like what you're watching is live and we've recorded this live, but you're not seeing it the moment it's happening. You're seeing it like an hour later. You know, if the tournament starts at 9 a.m., we probably don't go live until like 1030 or something like that. And what that does is it allows us to bank up a bunch of content that we can have. And you have less downtime during the show. You know, if you watch the pros where there's practically it's action just wall to wall, like all day long. Yeah. Of like, you know, I'm watching that happen. Like, you know, I'm I'm like, there's a match going on. I'm doing it. And then like, I can see the commentator crew up at the other stage doing the commentary, but they're doing the round before. Right. And then I can see the main, the main desk in my foreground. And like, they're, they're setting up the round that I'm currently doing. And so that's not going to actually air for a lot. You know what I mean? Like all this stuff's going on. You know, there's so much going on and we do similar stuff to that as well when we're doing these events you know people are in i mean we have people working as in different countries and stuff a lot of the times you know depending on who's doing casting and stuff and so we put it all together speaking of that did the uh, arena championship three over the weekend uh i think the biggest news flash out of that is nathan stoyer did not win the event that he participated in huh. um so there were shenanigans afoot <laughs> sure something like that sure whatever but uh you know, Team Handshake did well. They ended up not winning the event, but they brought like a really cool deck to standard. We'll talk about it while that's like the, the actually not dragons, cool. right? Yeah, we'll talk about why that's not relevant in just a moment. But the deck was cool. Their idea was cool. Um, the the coverage of it was like I I think we did a much better job this time around the last one. There were like less problems. The I think the show overall was better. Uh, still, we had some small problems here or there because you could just never have a perfect show. You know, like some resolution wasn't great on our uh, certain ends on certain points, but. That's just what happens when you have, you know, 40 different people in calls, literally like 40 something different people in calls from all over the world. You know, the internet is not going to be perfect at all times. So, yeah, but, you know, the show, the show went well. Um, I don't know how many more of those we're going we're gonna to do this year. I, I don't, you know, they just tell me ahead of time. So that'd be strange. But I'm really looking forward to the RC uh, coming up. And then other than that, uh, I only have a few more gigs lined up for the rest of the year as of now, so I don't know what else I'm doing. I'm thinking about taking, like, a vacation sometime soon. I might come up to Roanoke and hang out with you guys for, like, a week or something. You should have seen Ross's face just now, guys. He got, like, excited. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. I got to find out the next time Emma comes in town, maybe. Hmm. Next time who's... Next time Emma's here? Yeah. Uh, The fall. The fall? Okay. I'm actually going over there, so if you want to come up here Good over the you. summer, yeah. you got to you gotta Make get sure. here before the end of July. I'll be well, gone for most of August. There's a chance that I'm going to be in Europe at some point in time in the next few months. And we might need to, because I don't know if you remember those. The last time I was in Europe, I went to, you know, I flew into London and then went to France. And I, I realized on Twitter that she and I were in the same airport at the same point in time. And like, we like just <laughs> serendipitously, like she was flying into America and I was coming out of it. And I was like, oh, we could have like, you know, like, hey, what's up? Like yeah. this bump, this we walked yeah, by. Or, <laughs> yeah, just bye, 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 bye. give Ross my love, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know kind of stuff, that would, which would have been fun. But yeah. Maybe so we can time that up. If you're going to the uh, to the to Barcelona, I might be there. I 
I will not be in Barcelona as far as I know. I think yeah. I would have been told by now if I was doing something with that, but it makes sense to use like local people more. It's yeah. Cheaper. You know, exactly. I think it's going to be like Will Happen and, uh, and some other people instead and like uh, Car- uh, Frank Carson. I almost said Carson Frank. <laughs> like, the, the, the comma. And yeah. Frank Carson. You, so, did you see me hesitate on that? I was like, why am I, why, why, why did my brain not work? <laughs> this doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah. So they're doing them instead, which is, yeah. you know, perfectly reasonable. I'm going there like a week before Barcelona. And if, obviously, if I qualify this weekend, I'll make the trek over to Barcelona. If I don't, we still might. Yeah. <laughs> just because it'll just be fun. By. And yeah. Barcelona is apparently awesome. I have uh, not been. Spain is, Spain is awesome. I, yeah. I've been to Spain, but it, it was when I was 15. Okay. And it was a miserable trip. I don't know if I've sure. ever told you the story, but. Tell me some other time when we're not on yeah. the, uh, on the podcast. Well, the, the short version is sure. that I st- we all stayed with host families. Sure. And everybody else's host kid like, you know, took them out and did things with them that were fun. And mine was uh, only interested in doing one thing, and that was watching, I I guess, two things, but they're really the same, and that is watching old episodes of Friends and Jennifer Aniston movies, because he was obsessed to a disturbing level. Uh, He he carried a Trapper Keeper plastered in, like, magazine cutout photos of Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Yeah, so that's what I did with my week in Spain. I watched Friends. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. that's really strange. And he was so friendly whenever we were in groups, and everybody, like all the other people from the U.S., when I complained about it, were just like, "Ross, you're just an asshole." And I'm yeah. like, "I promise you, I'm not being an asshole this time." It's so not look, my I fault. am an asshole, but that's not why. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's not my fault. Like, yeah, it's like, can we talk about the actual reasons? Yeah, but anyway, uh, let's go ahead and talk about what's been going on. So. Everyone kind of saw this coming. Uh, we saw, we had an announcement coming out that there was going to be, you know, a ban announcement for standard. The results maybe you didn't see coming exactly. I was thinking I don't. I find myself slightly underwhelmed for like the overall thing of um, the. I was a little surprised, I guess, but I, I once I thought about it, I think it, it made sense to me. Sure. Uh, granted, I have not played much standard recently, so I'm not as in tune with that meta game. But I think everybody yeah. expected Fable to be banned. Because that card is busted. Mm-hmm. And it was. Yeah. And then, you know, Bankbuster makes some sense. It's a very ubiquitous card. Um, you know, in this sort of mid-range metagame, it just became the, the two-drop du jour, and there aren't really good answers to it, uh, and limits diversity there. The surprising one to me was Invoke Despair. Yeah, so that one's pretty surprising to me. And I wonder if it's the fact that it's just this card that the strong shells, the black shells are playing... That is just a huge card advantage and removal engine that they have attached to it. Plus, like, I think they wanted to make She-Holdred worse without banning She-Holdred. And all three of these cards are very good with She-Holdred. You know, they're yeah. like, they are they all draw extra cards to make life gain. They, they clear the board up a little bit and get stuff through and stuff like that. So, like, they're trying not to ban the $50 Mythic or I, I'm just saying a price off the top of my head. I think it's more expensive than that. Yeah, sure. The seventy dollar <laughs> mythic, whatever. The, the they're not they're trying not to ban the most expensive card in standard, or one of the most expensive cards in yeah. standard. And instead, like, look, we'll ban some of the stuff around it. Your card is still playable. There's still good stuff to do. But we're just gonna like because you remember you remember when we started seeing spoilers for these sets, and we're like, so we're just playing black at standard. We know that just yeah. some other color along with it, most likely. But all the black cards are really good, you know. And uh, I think that that. Part of the reason was to avoid the situation where they nerfed the Rakdos shell that had been so dominant recently and just push people to play nothing but mono black, which would have been, you know, a difference, but a pretty superficial one. 
Yeah. And Invoke is definitely the primary payoff. We've just been playing for this. Yeah. It, 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 that felt to me like a very similar ban to um, when they banned like uh, uh, like Reflector Mage alongside Felidar Guardian because they were afraid Blue-White was going to be too good once yeah, they banned like, the combo. Yeah, they think down the next step of the line, right? Like, and yeah. to be even more ham-fisted about it, like what we're for, it's when they were like, all right, Treasure Cruise is a problem. We're going to ban Treasure Cruise and like Legacy. And they're like, well, we're also going to get Dig Through Time because like we know that they're just going to put Dig Through Time in their deck instead of Treasure Cruise now. So like they go down the line a little bit. They're not just looking at the surface. They're going to go like the next layer or two down yeah. and try to figure it out from there. And I also think this is a sign of, of what I mentioned on the last show was that with the change in standard rotation, they're going to have to be more heavy handed with standard bands because they don't have that once a year rotation to rely on to keep things fresh. Uh, and so this is, you know, one of the first examples of that where, you know, they're really going deep to try to shake up this format because it's been so stagnant for so long. I, you know, yeah. it's been different flavors of Bractos. There was Grixis for a while sure. was the best deck. And, you know, there's been, I guess, Esper as sort of a change of pace, but that's fallen off. Uh, but there really hasn't been a ton of a change from even the fall to now, which, you know, standard does, you know, standard is supposed to be the most dynamic format because every new set is supposed to make significant changes. And that just wasn't happening because of the power of some of these mid range cards. Yeah. Well, alongside the good cheap removal. Yeah. I think your point is super valid. I think it's just the way things are to go. This is a really good example of what standard bands are going to look like in the future. Yeah. You might have the emergency thing. You know, they said that we're going to have uh, this little window that we could do bannings in. In case there's like a egregious mistake, like you know, like Oko or yeah, Feldarian, something where they really fucked up, you know, something where they really messed up. But let's say I don't know, you know, Esper Legends really takes off from here. At the at the next banning thing or whatever, you'll see them hit some Esper Legend cards that might still be legal, you know, for another year or two or whatever, and like that's just gonna keep helping standards stay fresh while hopefully keeping some of your card value in there and your What's the word I'm looking for? Like your belief in the format, you know, you're, you're yeah. like when you buy in, you're like, okay, consumer confidence. Yeah. Your consumer confidence in the format, you know, like the stuff that's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to want to play standard. So I'm going to invest in this deck. I'm going to have to invest a couple hundred bucks. You know, that's probably on the light end. We're talking maybe more, you know, depending on you know, if you have cards from other formats, you know, like pioneer or, or modern, you might already have some of the cards that are, you know, in these formats and you know, this kind of kind of help you out a little bit. You know, it's not going to be as puff a pill to swallow, et cetera. Because back in the in the past, if we ever had bands of standard, which to be fair, you, you look before like Eldraine happened, bands of standard were like extremely rare yeah. in the B history before, of magic. before Kaladesh. Really, it was Kaladesh and all sure. the energy cards and Marvel cards sure. that really yeah that's kicked yeah. everything off. Sure, and eventually Emrakul got yeah. banned too, and yeah, like yeah. But before that, and after you know Saga block. The only bands that happened in standard were the Callblade ones and <laughs> the Affinity ones. And the Affinity yeah. ones, they didn't even ban until the very end. They yeah, let Affinity run standard, rampant yeah. for a year and a half. And mm -hmm. then the summer before it rotates, they banned everything. I yeah. think to make Worlds fresh that summer. Um, because Worlds used to be over the summer. If I remember right, you, kids. you are correct. Yeah, this was... Because I was playing at this time and I had to, I had to play through Affinity winter or summer, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It was so summer of 04 was all the legal. They banned it in the summer of 05. Um, which would have been, yeah, would so that I think to make world because 04 worlds was all affinity 
and the person who won was playing an anti-affinity deck. It was uh, um, green. It was Julian Wheaton with green white yeah. eternal slide uh, yeah. with four main the, deck the Radiant Shaman, and yeah. they just did, didn't want to do that twice. Uh, so, like, and then the 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 Cobblade bands, you know, we got a like you know three to six months of of uh, I guess it emerged in February because that's when Pro Tour Paris was, and the bans happened in early June, so almost four months before they they banned that, uh, the Stoneforge Mystic and Jace, and that was really it for uh, like almost 20 years of standard play. So they were very hesitant to ban things. They let stuff like Bloodbird Elf exist for its entire time, Bitter Blossom. There were a lot of you know really dominant strategies, you know maybe not for two years straight, but they dominated for three, four, five months straight. And Watsi was so hesitant to ban things, they just sort of let it go and, you know, hoped that new sets and rotations would end up keeping things fresh. And that worked for a while, and then then it stopped. <laughs> and so now we've got the new world. No, exactly. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, my initial reaction was slightly underwhelmed, I think. Where I was just like, okay, I expected these cards, at least the first two. I was a little surprised by Invoke, but it makes sense. You know, once you think about it, you're like, okay. But, like, I was, like, half expecting to see, like, Rafine or something along those lines. You know, just, like, something from maybe one of the other top decks. You know, even though we haven't seen a lot of Esper Legends, I assume that's where people are going to start. You yeah. know, when it comes to the stuff. Because, like, you're like, all right, what deck didn't run these cards very much and is still very good? Oh, that, that deck seems good to me. You know, and then there's going to be some other stuff showing up. Um, I'm just hoping we get a little more good cheap removal that to, I think to help contain that deck. And my hope is that this gives space for more aggressive strategies to shine. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. And yeah. that's where Esper is going to struggle. So I think that's, that's where Watsi was thinking. Like we don't really, the, the, we've banned a lot of the things that Esper legends was supposed to prey on these slow mid range decks, especially if they're playing a clunky card, like invoke. Um, and hopefully we've, you know, cut out they've they've cut out a lot of the card advantage like you know all three of those cards are sources of card advantage for these mid-range decks that come at a relatively cheap cost other than invoke but invoke is just really powerful so that should even with the, the good cheap removal that remains still make it easier for aggro decks to play through because you do need some card advantage to pair with your removal to take over the game against them otherwise they're going to you know curve into really powerful threats and or have card advantage of their own and play into the mid game so uh, hopefully the, this yields a more balanced metagame because I can't remember the last time I saw somebody successfully pilot an aggressive deck in standard. It's it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's it's and I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of standard formats where like attacking and blocking is important or something that you have to do, and the aggro decks like kind of force that. And there's a lot of unexplored areas in standard right now. You know, like just playing around with it quite a bit and looking at it quite a bit lately. Um. There's something that I'll be helping announce later this year in about a month or two that I think you're going to be like pretty excited about. I'm going to be a part of it. And anyone who's uh, listening, I think you might enjoy it quite a bit. It'll be a YouTube series that's coming out. I'll let you know when we get more information on it. Um, I was hoping it'll it was be... going to be the Utah Jazz retroactively getting the number one pick in the draft. but uh, That's not it. That's okay. a good guess. That's <laughs> a really good guess, Ross. That's not it. This has to do with standard and hopefully, you know, a fresh, cool new standard will be part of that and stuff. So, um, I'll tell you this. I, I am thinking about actually starting to like play Paper Magic a decent bit soon. You know, uh, A, I haven't really had an opportunity to play it much recently. You know, there's more and more now, but 
most of the stuff that I would play would be like RCQs, right? And with what I do for a living, that doesn't make sense for me to put in like a a bunch of time and effort, like traveling and trying to compete there because I'm sure there's people at home like, oh no, you know, it'd be good for you to like compete to like learn things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I could do that at home, you know, or I could just like, you know, learn formats and stuff there or whatever. Like I don't need to go drive six hours to an RCQ or four hours to an RCQ to play when I can't actually win the event, you know, and I don't mean that by skill level. I mean, like if I win the event, I'm still probably not even playing because, you know, A, this is my job, you know, that I do. It's my main source of income is something that I actually really enjoy it and stuff. So I always joke that I, uh, that I'm paid not to play magic now. Like it's a joke <laughs> completely when I say it, but you know, you get what I'm saying, but that's uh, the dream Tannen. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start playing at a local level more, I think and stuff and like have some more fun with it, especially if like standards are a lot more fresh and like fun. And it's really, that's the thing too, is like the, the area you're in, the, you had to have standard players, right? Like you, you can't just go play standard by yourself. So like, Hopefully some of the people around are going to start playing that more, uh, you know, pioneers, popular, bonners, popular, obviously I can play those, but, um, I recently got asked to play in the legacy seat for the upcoming SCG. I think it's in July. That's like a team event. It yeah, it's like, it's Cincinnati, like Cincinnati. Someone asked me to be, uh, their legacy seat. And I was like, cool. Like this sounds great. Like I'm probably in, let me take a look. And I went and looked at like what's been going on in legacy for the past, like, you know, month or two. I was like, never mind. <laughs> you do not they were like what do you mean I'm like you don't even want me on your team a i'm washed you know like i've been playing forever and they were like oh yeah how hard is it to flip delver so i'm like apparently very hard because the tech is not good anymore uh, for the first time in 15 years it's yeah I, I talked to somebody and i went and looked at the results or whatever it's it's like unplayable like i'm looking at the decks that are you 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 were not in a good spot like ever like like all the decks are just like shitting on it <laughs> and it, and like it, it's funny too because like there's this there's this new thing they're trying like a lot of them are playing um invasion of tarkir and they're decking i'm like oh that's kind of cool right it's like a shock that comes in and you can like attack it yeah. it's four four it's like a good attack but i'm like it's just another card ran into the deck that doesn't flip delver of secrets and like yeah. i'm just isn't like, a threat by itself yeah i'm just like I mean, delver like, can't play threats that you aren't standalone and you can't just bolt it either because it has four i think defense yeah. if i remember right i'm just like like yeah some of these decks are probably like three of them and yet yeah, maybe the card is good but like I would need to play this a lot, you know, because like on initial reaction, I'm like, oh, this is cool. But then I think you've heard me say this before. Yeah, it's cool. But is it good? You know, when you do like stuff like that in your decks. So are you looking up legacy results or something? I see you looking no, at your... I'm just reading oh. Lord of the Rings cards, preparing for our next segment. Sure. In fact, let's go ahead and move on to that. Um, a, did you see all, like, did you get to see any of the announcements on Twitter with this? Like they were showing off all the cards and everything. Did you see the video with, uh, give me a second, Elijah Wood, almost said Frodo Baggins. With Elijah Wood, I did not. Okay, didn't so even like realize a, they had done one. So there's like a minute and thirty second video of him, and they're talking to him. He's like looking through the magic cards. He's like, "Oh, this is really cool." You know, he's like naming all the characters. He plays magic, like, doesn't he? Uh, I, I that I'm unsure of, but the way he was handling the cards and looking at them, it it didn't seem like he was unfamiliar. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you, so, you can um, kind of tell. <laughs> yeah, like he's 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 maybe have played a game or two when he was younger or something. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like going through all the stuff and he's like looking through. He's like, oh, you know, Pippin, Mary, Sam. He's like going through all the characters. Like, this is really cool. It's always cool to see these characters represented in a new medium in some different way, you know, because it's like he is Frodo Baggins. Like, you know what I mean? So um, it's just really cool to see this stuff. But the, the funny part is like at the, at the very beginning, of, uh, I'm sorry, at the very end of the video, he's like talking about the cards. And he's like, oh, the one ring. You know, he doesn't have the, it's not the fancy one. He has like one of yeah. the, the normal ones or whatever. 
and he's just talking and he like puts it in his pocket and he's talking some more and he goes to leave and they're like hey we uh we, we need the cards back he's like I, I gave you the cards back and he's like no 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 like you still you still have one of the cards he goes huh and he like touches the pocket. he's like oh oh i have it right here in my pocket that that's weird you know, he like goes to give it back and he puts it back in the pocket and walks off just like they do, you know, in the book and in the movie and stuff. I was like, I don't oh, know, yeah. just that little callback was like really, really cool. And I was, I was a big fan of it. But, um, taking a look at the spoiler, there are a ton of really cool cards in here, Ross. They're very wordy. This seems like a commander set overall to me, which I think no one's surprised by. Yeah, I but, completely agree. That's my, my main takeaway from looking at the cards is that this is just a commander set that. They wanted to be legal in other formats to make everybody care about it because yeah. the IP is so important to them. But there are some really cool things going on here. It's the cards that I... So it will be legal on modern and older, if I remember yeah, correctly. And, and historic on Arena. And historic on Arena. There are some cards in there that I think will make some impacts here or there where people will try. Also, uh, flavor wins aplenty in this set, by the way. There are some really, really cool flavor wins. Like... I'm scrolling through the list right now. Have you seen a uh, Golem scheming guide? Uh, yes, that's the like the two, Golem, the Golem guide. Yeah, yeah, like that one's really cool for flavor wins. And then like, there's a Gandalf that when it dies, you put it fifth from the top of your deck. <laughs> you know, look to the east on the fifth yeah. morning uh, or whatever. You know, but, like let's be honest. So the, the biggest flavor win is pissing off all the worst people in the Magic community. Oh yeah, and it, it's just like, mad. Yeah, just like adding a hundred people to your Twitter block list. And, like, yeah, this is easy. Yeah, oh, these people are mad about something that doesn't matter at all to them. Yeah. Um, the 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 saga for the ints, the long yeah. list of the ints saga, <laughs> yes. just an actual, just a masterpiece. Like everyone who read it the first time, just like doesn't it look like what? And then, this and then is they a lot get of chapters. <laughs> yeah, and then they get it. Yeah, we never do anything quickly. All right, and then um, you know, there's there's obviously some other some other really cool stuff as well, but. There's some cards in here that I think actually like have a chance to uh, make some impact in a few different formats. Uh, one of the ones that I wanted to mention, I know there's probably a few that you wanted to mention. Have you seen Boromir, Warden of the Tower? No. So this one is two and a white for a human soldier. It's a legendary creature. It's a 3-3 three, three of Vigilance. It says when a, whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. And then you could sacrifice this to, to give creatures you control indestructible until the end of turn, and then the ring tempts you. How, bi- how big is he? It's a 3-3 three, three for 3 with Vigilance. And he's a human soldier. So, Wrath Protection. And then you don't get any of the free shit in Modern. You can't pitch to Elementals. Mishra's Bobble. Yeah, Mishra's Bobble. You need to pay mana to play your spells. Otherwise, no sir. And yeah, not saying this is going to be like a huge impactful thing, but this is a card that like when I read it, I'm like, I could see this one showing up somewhere. I would say... It's pro- it's a problem that it's a three mana multiple creature, but that's yeah. less of an issue in modern these days because you see so many unholy heats around instead of bolts, and sometimes unholy heat just doesn't tag three toughness creatures. So yeah, uh, it's not the say that it's not the same you know set of tests that creatures have to pass. So yeah, uh, the 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 issue then is just the home. You know, humans mm-hmm. hasn't really been viable in in modern for a while, sure. which is a shame. That was a cool deck to have around. Uh, yeah, speaking of that, I actually meant to mention this earlier on the show, uh, about something we were doing. The other night I couldn't sleep, and, uh, one of my friends messaged me, and he's like, hey, I'm watching this right now. It's just a link to an old SCG match, and it was like a team match with you, Brennan, and I. It was like Team BCW. And I went down the rabbit hole that night until like four in the morning watching YouTube videos, and I just forgot how good you and Brennan were at Magic. He was unreal. Because <laughs> like, I was watching y'all, like, I was watching y'all play, because I would get to watch those matches. Yeah. You know? And it was just so unreal watching, especially like 
just watching Brennan play standard, I'm like, man, I would have made that play. And three turns later, I'm like, I'm the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm the one that's stupid. Yeah. The, the the Dallas tournament where he was playing the Demir deck, he was unbeatable. It was so funny, too, because we talked about that. And they talked about it on coverage because he talked to, he, I remember him saying it to us, but he talked to Cedric that weekend or one of the coverage people. And he told them, he's like, if I lose a match this weekend, I will be surprised. And I think he lost one or something like that. The entire I think he lost two. Maybe well, two the entire weekend. In yeah. 18 rounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we played like every round of the tournament because yeah, we yeah. lost the finals. So. I went six and eight. Yeah. And we, and we lost the finals. <laughs> yeah. I didn't lose a lot that weekend either, no. buddy. <laughs> yeah. And I just couldn't win. Like, it wasn't, yeah. my deck wasn't even bad. I was just playing no. humans when humans yeah. is good. I won a Pitiki with the deck like two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like undefeated. But th- that weekend, like, I just couldn't win a match to save my life. And then I'm just like, God, I got to start winning. Like, or we're going to start losing matches. And then you and Brennan were just like, no, we're not going to lose matches. Yeah. Like, never going to lose two of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, going back to the Lord of Rings stuff. Uh, another card that caught my eye was, have you seen Orcish Bowmasters? Nope. All right. So this one is one in a black for an orc archer. It has flash and it's a one, one. It says when this enters the battlefield, and whenever an opponent draws a card, except the first one they would draw in each of their draw steps, Orcish Bowmasters, Orcish Bowmasters deals one damage to any target, then amass Orcs one. So when they like brainstorm on their main phase, you flash this in and you like deal the you three damage something and make, and make a three, three, three. three. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's any target. Yeah. So you arc lightning and make a three, three. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. This card's, this card's fucked up. <laughs> and like the joke is people are like, oh yeah, this, 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 this card looks really good against Delver. Like Delver's just gonna play it. It's, it's the way these these things always work at Legacy. But uh, this looks really good against Elves, and that's another flavor win for me. Like Orcs versus Elves, is as well. But like, you know, there's some there's some decks in a bunch of different formats where I I think this card might show up in sideboards depending on what's going on. Like this this is a pretty cool card because the fact that not only does it do the arc lightning effect like you were talking about, but it also makes a giant creature most of the time as well. Yeah, and and in a format like modern, one damage can kill a Raghavan. It can kill, you know, ignoble hierarch against Yogmoth. Like it can kill, um, you know, uh, sometimes a Dragon's Rage Channeler or Risen Reef against Elementals. So there's a lot of reasonable targets just for that first trigger. Um, and if you start getting more value out of it, you know, from there, cool beans. It it is a one toughness creature. In a Ren and yes. Six format? Yes. That's my concern. If it was a 1-2, I'd be all in. I, I'll say this, though. I, I think they want it to be a 1-2 so they can kill each other. <laughs> like, you know, in, like, mirror match type stuff. But even oh, if, man, like, they, at they the get, worst... Can even you at imagine the worst, getting it in multiples? Yeah, it's not a legendary. Uh, even even if, that like, in a, in a pinch, I have to play this to block a Ragavan, I'm kind of in. Like, you know what I mean? That's, like, not that bad out of the card. Considering the the upside that it possibly has, yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm I would I don't know where you play it, but I mean maybe something new happens. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's the kind of card I want to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm same. gonna try to figure out where it's good. <laughs> maybe there's a rogue deck in uh like rogues in modern something along those lines, or like maybe just a blue black control deck. We've we've seen stuff get close to it where certain matchups you want this kind of effect. Um, I could see this. It's funny that I could see this being better in Legacy than I could see it being better in Modern, but we'll see when it comes to that stuff. You know, a lot more brainstorms getting cast in that format. It's a, 
it's like when Notion Thief first got printed back in the day and people were playing Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like, did you want to brainstorm with that mana up? Now, like, when this card's in the format, it's like, do you want to brainstorm and they have two mana up? Good luck. Like, you <laughs> might just randomly die. Like, they might do something very busted against you. It's something like, this is the kind of card I wish we had in standard. This card looks great. This card would be a house. It got certain strategies in standard. Oh, yeah. It would, I mean, there there's a lot nice of stable. value there. Yeah, nice stable. Should kill all of it. Yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. So, um... I was going to say, uh, another thing that caught my eye, have you seen Delighted Halfling? Nope. So this one's a one drop for a one two. There you go, Ross. It's a one two. Uh, it's a halfling citizen. You can tap it to add a colorless, or you can tap it to add one mana of any color. Spin this mana only cast legendary spells, and that spell can't be countered. Oh, yeah. I actually have seen this one. Uh, yeah, another card I think could maybe show up somewhere. I assume that's in green. Yeah. Sorry, it's a green one drop. I apologize. Go. Is it legendary? It's. It is not. It's a halfling citizen. Okay. It's just chilling. Still, see, as I've I've mentioned many times on on this podcast, I've been trying to make box amber aggro decks work in Pioneer for a very long uh-huh. time, and I don't know. Maybe this is one that could do it. You know, yeah. the 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 issue with decks like that is you just don't have enough good ones. Yeah, so having this is another piece of mana acceleration to like, you know, you you can play two two drops on turn two like maybe this is the, a card that makes like the gruel cl- or it's it's not gr- bard class that's the gr- the gruel one that deals sure. with legendary stuff like the bard class deck is it it says is it only legendary can can you re- read it again give me one second let me scroll back up to it yeah. uh you just need the second ability right again correct yeah. yeah add one man of any color spin this man only to cast a legendary spell and that spell can't be countered okay yeah, and the, the the bard class isn't legendary anyway, so it's not going to interact with that. But regardless, like this is a deck that wants to accelerate into a lot of legends. So mm-hmm. you know, playing a one-two mana creature uh, can that, especially when that like fixes your mana, gives you red. Um, you know, for almost all your spells can you know, do a lot of damage. So yeah, yeah, that I guess that was a a pioneer deck though when it was like you know semi playable, but. I don't know. Maybe there's one that uh, that emerges in modern to do cool stuff. You get to play Ragavan. You get to play. You know, I'm sure there's. A, I think the only one drop green legend is um, the one that makes tokens from Kaladesh. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of, of other gruel ones that you can play. You can play Domri Raid. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know. You're 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 going down the line that I can't follow here. Yeah. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just you know getting lost in the sauce over yeah, here. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> As I am want to do. Uh, any of the cards really kind of catch your eye? Uh, I am intrigued by Pippin, Guard of the Citadel. So, blue white for two two legendary halfling soldier, vigilance ward one, and tap another target creature you control gains protection from the card type of your choice until end of turn. Ooh. Yeah, it's an interesting mom effect, and for it, all those who get that reference, the the key is is the ward one. So normally, the, this this effect is already worse on a two drop versus a one drop, but you, it would be much more awkward without the ward because then your opponent would likely be spending a one mana removal spell to kill your two mana creature. That's not a trade that you like. But with ward one, you're now at least trading even on mana against a one mana removal spell, and if it lives, it does a lot of cool stuff. You know, being able to give it your creatures pro artifacts when they try to, you know, pyrite spell bomb your, um, uh, what's the 
busted red and black protection creature that stops all the graveyard shenanigans. You know the one I'm talking about. The white, white creature? Yeah. You know, you uh, can protect that from yeah. pirate spell bomb. Sure. Um, or a champion or whatever. Yeah. No, no. The other, the newer oh, one. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of the name of it. Yeah. yeah. They know. They know. Uh, yeah. But it's a very flexible sort of, you know, uh, protection ability. And the fact that you can always give it, you know, with Giver of Rune, sometimes you can't get your creature through because you have multiple colors of creatures. Here you just name creature and it always gets your creature through. So uh, you can do some cool stuff with this. Um, and, uh, you know, also legendary if you want to do some Mox Amber shenanigans, which of course I do. Uh, you know, it feels like, you know, obviously because of Commander, every set has like 70 legends in it, but this set feels like half legends. Um, you know, which is you know at least appropriate due to the IP, but even makes it you know lean even further into being a sort of commander set. But that that card, I think, I think is pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else? I also like Samwise. I have no idea how to utilize it, and it's probably you know as a two mana two two, it's probably not good enough for modern, but uh, it's a cool card. Green white for two two, legendary halfling peasant. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token, and you can sacrifice three food tokens to return target historic card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, historic cards being artifacts, legendaries, and sagas, if you don't remember that from Dominaria. Uh, so, like, it returns Urza sagas with your food tokens. So, I don't know if you can somehow build, like, an Abzan or Naya Asmo deck where this is part of it, and you're, like, a bit of a sacrifice deck, and Maybe you're playing, you know, cat oven as well, so that you, yeah. you know, can continuously make food with with cat oven that way. But th there's a lot of like aspects of this card that supercharge that kind of food engine that seems cool to me. It a very, it sort of feels like um the card that that Spike was playing around with Sarah Steelkeeper Steelseeker. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Uh, it, it it feels similar to that kind of card, but with a little bit more of a high end to it. Yeah, it feels to me like it's very possible we might finally see, you know, we saw glimmers of this with Spike and Doomwake and all them making the food decks, you know, like Feasting Troll King, Cookbook, Asmo, those cards. Yeah. Some of this might make some kind of comeback and it won't feel the same, but it's going to feel to me kind of like the, remember the Urza decks that had Oko in it, where it's just like all of your stuff generated stuff, you know what I mean? And like you eventually <laughs> just kind of like yeah. overwhelmed them with something. You know, it kind of feels like that, where everything's going to do a little, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, kind of like a kitchen reference, you know, because it's making food, Your right? board just has 40 permanents on it. Yeah, you're going to have a million different tokens, and at some point, they're going to they're gonna find a way to kill you, you know, that that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think, I think there's something here, for sure. You know, there's a bunch of different stuff that has to do with food and, like, food getting better and using it to your, to your ability. I mean, you use it you know, to, to, to do something forward motion wise in the, in the form, instead of just gaining three life, right? Like having the artifact be relevant, making it into a creature, sacrificing it for some kind of value other than three life. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of different stuff. So, uh, super interested to see what's going to happen with all that. Was there another card that had kind of caught your eye here? Um, there's a lay of the land that makes a food token. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Did you like any of the, uh, the land cycle, you know, the Shire, Mount Doom, Minas Tirith? Uh, door or Mines of Moria. I just, I'm. It seems so difficult for them to enter untapped. Yeah, you're they're, basically they're powerful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're basically waiting until turn three and hoping your creature lives. 
Um, so you, uh, to me, you got to really think of them as ETB tapped lands um, as a default, and that significantly limits their upside, seeing as they don't provide any sort of mana fixing either. But, you know, utility lands are just good cards, and sometimes you need a kind of mana sink, and if this is the mana sink your deck needs, maybe. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, a red deck that's dealing a lot with treasures and you see, you don't really, you know, care about something like Den of the Bugbear. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was always so turned off by lands that enter the battlefield tapped. Mm -hmm. You just, you well, just can't fall that. behind. It's 2023 Tannen. Yeah. Going third in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like yeah. I like to say, yeah. Gotta, gotta cast your spells. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about the card Forge and New. This is a two and a white. It's an enchantment. It says when it enters the battlefield, return target uh, equipment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as it's your turn, you may activate equip abilities anytime you could cast an instant. And then you may pay zero rather than pay the equip cost of the first equip ability you activate during each of your turns. I believe this is like exceptional, but I could see something like Hammer playing like one of these. It gets certain strategies where you're like, you play this, you put Hammer back into play, and you're like, attack with two of my creatures. Do you want to block like <laughs> the other the other one's getting the Hammer? You know, yeah. Like, and just, you know, stuff like that. Like, so it's it's some real cool stuff. It helps you play around removal quite a bit and stuff, so. No, that seems, uh, that seems like a cool one. Three mana, yeah, you can't play a lot of them because it's three, right, but right. Uh, very clearly has a home there. And Yeah, it's, it's something, yeah, if you're in a matchup where they're legit trying to, you know, shatter you out of the game, you know, like they're trying to kill your artifacts, kill your lands, like that kind of stuff, you know, this is a card that you can play to kind of help mitigate that kind of play. Yeah. Fortunately, Frodo was specifically designed not to work with Colossus Hammer. Otherwise, yeah, I saw that would that. have been busted. Yeah, I saw that. It's really funny. Yeah, if Frodo I, can't. I, it has to be a two or three. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that was an accident. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. They're like, we can't let Frodo pick up a hammer, bro. <laughs> a, col a colossal hammer. So, um, yeah, there was there was a few other cards here. Or there, there's a uh, common that people were kind of like losing their mind over when it came to some stuff. Have you seen Have you seen uh, Mirkwood Bats? Okay, so it's a common. It's three and a black for a two-three bat flying. Whenever you create or sacrifice a token, each opponent loses one life. Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be absurd in commander. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, it's, it's going to it's, kill people and kill the entire table in commander. Yeah, um, but it's a four mana two-three. Yeah, not so sure about other formats, obviously. But uh, for the commander peeps that are listening, then you're really into this stuff. Uh, get your foil copies now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever's that. Because this might be the only printing of this card ever. So, have you seen Westfold Rider? That one, I'm not sure. Which one's that one? I'm, one I'm not white, three, the names. one human knight. Sacrifice only as a sorcery. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. We've, oh, that's we've, actually pretty decent. Yeah, we've never seen one that does both. Right? You've always had to pick either or. So that that could be just an important sideboard card for like court of calling decks, or you know, just like you know, human decks that want interaction with without sacrificing threat density that's a good point that's, that's actually a pretty decent one. yeah I, I i feel like i've been waiting for that card for like 10 years because we've had so many different variants whether it was like uh you know the kami of the ancient way is that the one that destroyed enchantments uh i can't remember you know, viridian i guess viridian zealot hit both but it cost two mana to activate so it was yeah you know it wasn't way too free. expensive yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, like, some other interesting stuff. Uh, there was, like, an uncommon in the set that I thought, like, was interesting when I first saw it, but I'm not so sure just because of its original original cost. It's Council's Deliberation. It's one in a blue for an instant. It says draw a card. 
But whenever you scry, if you control an island, you can exile this card from the graveyard. And if you do, draw a card. Yeah, the problem there is that it's a scry and not surveil. <laughs> like yeah, everybody just plays consider now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you don't. Yeah, it's like you'd have to you'd have to go back to opt. Yeah, and then maybe serum visions. And then, like, I don't know, maybe there's, like, some, some one more thing. Uh, you could play the land, uh, the Blue uh, Castle Castle, castle Mantris, yeah. Yeah, the Blue Castle Scries. And, like, if you're playing this, like, blue-black control deck or whatever that can, like, mill, mill itself or, like, you know, discard cards for value, this might be a thing. But, like, I don't know, maybe you're asking too much. Maybe it's just not good enough. But it did catch my eye when that's I saw a, it. I that's like, a Waffle Topic card if I've ever seen one. That man yeah, loves, I, him, loves him a good think twice. Think twice, yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I also love a good... I, I'm I a big fan of think, think twice for free, eh? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you're, you've, you've got my attention. <laughs> yeah. So, like that. So, um, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Overall, I mean, like, I do think this set is going to make some impacts in places, especially like somewhere we're not going to we're not going to be ready for it, right? Like, it's going to do something in Legacy or something in Modern that we're not ready for. It's going to do something cool. Uh, I'm a fan of the set. I'm going to draft it because like the draft format looks cool. Um, I'll probably draft it on Arena. I don't know how much I'll draft it in real life. We'll see. Maybe I will a little bit. But uh, I mean, the set is not designed for me, and I'm okay with it because I think the set is really cool. I love the, I love the flavor of it. And there's a few cards that I'll probably be like, I just need copies of this card in my collection. <laughs> Especially like certain arts of certain ones too. I need to go through and see all of them. You know, we haven't gotten the entire, entire, I think everything yet, but it's really cool. Also, have you seen that the card Nazgul has like seven different, it has like a, a million different arts? I did not. I'm sure it has the exactly appropriate number yeah. of arts. I think it might be eight or whatever. Um, or nine. It's, it's, gotta, be, not, it's gotta be either we'll seven or nine. I think it's I think it's nine because it says that you can your deck can have nine cards named Nazgul in it. Yeah, and uh, but I've I've only seen eight pictures. So they they must have one for each of the rings of men. That's yeah. That's why the Nazgul exist. Yeah, they're, they're so, hunting hunting all yeah. the rings. Yeah, so like all the flavor in this set is just amazing. Like just absolutely love all of it. So, um. Oh, also we were talking about it with the, the food decks. Uh, this is kind of why I brought it up. Forgot to talk about the the green legendary land. I think is the one that if the food deck is good, this this, this is gonna. This will all get played if you can activate it. Uh, this one, it enters the battlefield tap unless you control a, uh, a legendary creature. Uh, it is a legendary land. It taps for green. You can pay one to green, tap an untapped creature control, create a food token. So, like, if a deck is doing some weirdo combo thing with it, it's it's going to have this with some of those those food cards that we talked about. Yeah. So, and that there's you know you're trying to put Asmo to play. Maybe you're playing you know Samwise in your food deck, so you get some more legends that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe you then get to play Mox Amber. God, I love Mox Amber. I just want to put Mox into my deck, Tannen. Yeah, I just love that. Like you've been trying for years to make it good, and then finally it's going to be good, and they're just going to ban it. Like you don't even <laughs> need to play with it very much. Like, yeah, but I need to get it banned so that we can you know fulfill the prophecy of our second show. You know. I, I think that was our second show was talking about what cards we think are going to get banned. Maybe that, I think that actually that was the first show. Yeah. I think uh, the second show is when we looked at deck list and yeah. maybe stay in here for, for like six, six hours. hours. Yeah. Yep. That I was, hated That was a great so idea much. by me. You are just the dumbest person of all time. <laughs> oh, you know, n- nobody saw that going badly, so it's okay. <laughs> well, you're, yeah, no, it's all, I, I, like I said so many times like, like so many times <laughs> several of them while we were doing it 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's parts cut out of me just being like cursing your name and what we were doing. All right, so we'll probably go over Lord of the Rings a little bit more on the next episode. You know, when we have like the full thing, maybe something else comes out. We'll talk about some more stuff, but there's something going on this weekend that you and I are both going to be at that we need to talk about a little bit. There is the RC going on this weekend, the regional championship in Dallas. And I've tried to come to look forward to these quite a bit, Ross. Like these have actually had some really, really good competition in them. Some awesome decks have come from them. Um, I'm excited to see what people are doing in Pioneer because I think this is one of the biggest shakeups they've had in Pioneer in a while for a big tournament and something happening this close because we've had a brand new deck kind of come to the formats, the front of the format in the last, what, like three weeks, I feel yeah, like? about that. And really dominate and do really... Like, I think dominate might not be the right word, but prove itself as an actual contender and something that if your deck cannot deal with this deck, you will have a problem. And that's the red-white convoke deck. You know, we, I think we want a challenge. Yeah, so and, so deck. Yeah, it want a challenge. And when someone of that skill level picks up a deck and wins with it, you need to pay attention. Because that means there is something real going on here. There's also a lot of talk going on, like, what's the correct build? What are the correct payoffs? Because I've seen people talking about not even playing Bushwhacker in the deck. You said you play whatever, Lamasu or whatever. You know, Regaliosaur. Regaliosaur, the dinosaur, whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know. The, yeah. It's a cat That's dinosaur. Just, yeah, the cat dinosaur. That's what I meant. Um, which I need to go back and look. I probably have a set of Japanese of those somewhere. Yeah. I bought like a bunch the, of Japanese. There are people that play Clarion Spirit. There are people that play Burning Tree Emissary. Yeah. How many, you know, Dragon Fodder-esque cards do you play? Which one drops do you play? Yeah. Legion's Landing. Do you play Giant Killer? I've seen uh, some people play four Giant Killer too. Yeah. Like, so there's a lot of, for an aggressive deck, there's a surprising amount of variation in how people are, are building it. And there's also a variation in how people are perceiving the deck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, there's like the people that think like, oh, this deck needs to be banned right away. There are people like, whoa, like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, like chill out. You know, people are calling it Hogak, which is really funny because of the fact that like you're convoking out these big threats. Because what the deck is, is generally it's just a bunch of zero and one drops. Like it's running Ornithopter, a bunch of one drops and cheap creatures and ways to make, you know, two tokens at once. And it runs with one of your favorite cards, which is... Venerated Loxodon. And then we've got the new Knight Errant that convokes and goes finds, you know, more threats. Yeah, it gets two out creatures uh, yeah. out of your top, like, five or six. I think you look um, at six, and then you you get to get power toughness or Kassikos equal to the number of cards or less I, 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 that I you think, convoked. Yeah. It draws a bunch of cards. Yeah. That, and the key thing is that those creatures let you go a little tall. Like, all the small sweepers that you would think to play against this deck are all, you know, two or three damage to everything, or one mana to, and one to everything. Venerated Loxodon and Knight, uh, Knight Errant to be us all survive those. So, you know, once you extend on the battlefield, they need the four mana sweeper to clear everything up. That's part of the reason the deck is so or, good. Or and Temporal then, Lockdown is getting, you know, yeah. talked about a lot again. And then obviously the, the one of the key aspects of the deck is Gleeful Demolition, you know, being <clears> a three creatures for one card. And you get to play Ornithopter, which you want anyway as a zero drop for your Convokers. And then you, you all, they all play four Vildar and Epicure and four Thraven Inspectors. So you have yeah. 12 ways to generate an early artifact to target with Gleeful Demolition and start, uh, you know, really going wide. So it's a very cool deck, very synergistic. Um, and obviously not Hogak. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, the thing you were talking about, like, that's the nuts, right? Like, if you go, like, turn one Ornithopter, make three one ones off of it or whatever, right? And then next turn, you go, like, any one drop, any other one drop that's a white creature, or if you make a white creature and you, like, Knight Errant, you know, convoking five creatures, now you just have a 
huge board and you've searched through the top six cards of your deck. So now you're what? Seven, eight, nine. You're generally about 15 cards in your deck. On average, you'll find a Bushwhacker. Yeah. 15 or cards in your deck. Or Yeah, whatever it is. Whatever the... So on average, you're now you're attacking for a bajillion, you know? And it's modern. I mean, it's 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 not modern, really. People start at like 17 or whatever, but like this should be good enough. Plus you have backup now. Like you're not just all in, all in. Like you have cards left over in your hand and stuff. So like you can you can like play more because that's what people are talking about is, yeah, it looks and feels like this super all in aggro deck, but it plays better than that in a lot of spots because you have some card advantage. And because of the fact, I think you made a great point here that like, yeah, it's putting in three or four zero, one or two cost creatures or like tokens, but then it has this one like five or six drop that's like a four, four or a five, five, right? That's like, yeah, you can cast this sweeper that kills on a little stuff, but I'm just going to keep attacking you with the big thing as well. Yeah. So that, the you know, I I've, I always like decks that can attack from multiple angles and the Kavod creatures give you that that second angle. Uh, you know, when I saw Sodak, you know, tweet about winning the challenge, I looked at the deck. I was like, this is sweet. I'm going to try this for, you know, for Dallas. And then everybody was picking it up and talking about it. It was all anybody talked about. And I'm like, definitely not playing that in Dallas, because if there's one thing that I have stuck to in Pioneer, it's to try, if I'm going to play a linear deck, I'm going to play one that is under the radar that I think, you know, people aren't targeting uh, because th that's generally, you know, this is generally how linear decks work. They're, they're good when people are, aren't are targeting them and, and bad when they are. Uh, and if there's an exception to the rule, it's usually broken. And I don't think this deck is quite that good. Um, I do think it's good. Like, yes, I do think I, it's good. Yeah. I, I think it's a good deck. I think it's probably the best aggro deck in Pioneer. That's not saying much, honestly. Yeah. 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 There haven't been, like, you know, since not the decline of, like, Mono Black. And that's what's and, great about this deck, too, humans. right? Just to, to, just to go on a tangent for, like, two seconds, that's great that there is an actual good aggro deck in Pioneer right now. I think it's awesome for the format. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we, we've had this format where uh, Rakdos has suppressed a lot of the aggro decks, and this one is fast enough to really get underneath the Rakdos deck. Um, yeah, nice thoughts, these idiot. Like, just attack yeah. you for 12. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, the uh so that's going to limit the ability of some of the other decks that are playing to go for the top of Rakdos the you know fires of invention decks mono green devotion to an extent uh even things like neoform atraxa uh you know th you can just sort of race them uh and they don't have a ton of interaction for you um and you know lotus field i, I think can be in that category as well so I think it's going to provide a natural check on those decks and bring the format more into balance. Um, and, uh, you know, th that can only really be a good thing. So I expect this weekend the metagame will be a little bit too prepared. I think if it was last weekend, it would have been good to play it. Um, but with two weeks, usually people figure it out. And I think they're going to be scared enough to, like, you know, err on the side of caution. In terms of preparing for it. So, like, there's part of me that agrees with you and part of me that disagrees with you. And this is a problem that I had back in the day when I made, like, deck choices. And there's one that always sticks out to me. I remember there was this Open that I played in, and I think it was in Dallas. And the Blue-White Flash deck had, like, just premiered. I think, like, uh, Adam Prozac had just won an Open or something with it, or just won something with it. And I remember I was like, I think this deck's great. It's busted. So we were like, no, it's like, people just didn't know what it was. It's not very good. And I kept playing against people, and I kept beating the crap out of them with it. And they're like, you could just never beat a resolve Thrag Tusk. And they'd be like, you know, uh, Cavern Assaults, Thrag Tusk. And I would just, like, keep beating it, right? 
you know, I'd be like, okay, like just trade my restoration angel for it, kill the token, like just keep doing stuff, yeah, right? Cast a Sphinx's revelation. Yeah, cast a card, right? Yeah. So, it, but the thing is, is I kind of got into the mind frame that you just did, where I'm like, where I thought the deck was good, and I thought it was like, you know, it's the new thing on the block, so everyone's going to be gunning for it and ready for it. So the next weekend, at an open, it was a huge open. I played a deck that was very good against it, right? And I never played against that deck, and I did not do very well at open. And Blue White Flash like easily won the open. Right. Yeah. And I just remember regretting like not playing the busted deck, especially early, because I do think that, yes, people like you or me or like the, and I, it's not that I'm lumping myself with people like this because I don't know if I can add the chops to lump with them anymore, but you, my mind frame does going into a tournament of being prepped for it. You know, the top echelon of people like when you walk into a tournament room, there's only like, let's say there's like 800 people playing. There's like 50 people that you can name in the room that like these people can win the tournament. And obviously somebody can have a good weekend, but these are the people that like if they win a tournament, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, of course it's them. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're going to win. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then it, like, obviously it's like, I don't want to say a no neighbor, but somebody that hasn't made a name for themselves yet, you know, comes out of nowhere to win the tournament. That happens. People have a good weekend, right deck, run hot, right? You know, kind of stuff. But I do think that like, yeah, some people come over prepared and the top echelon of players are going to be prepared to be prepared to play against the stack. I still think that A, it's a good choice for this weekend. I think it's very good, especially if you know your matchups, know your role, know how to sideboard. Two, I still think that even if someone's prepared for you, it doesn't mean they automatically win against you. They have to draw their sideboard card. They have to play well. You have to not draw the nuts. There's a reason why your deck is good. Yeah. Right? You, it's like, like if, if you have a good build of Boros, I think it, it would still be yeah. good. Because like the metagame is not going to be completely understanding of the deck it's mostly going to be people slapping a couple more sweepers in their sideboard and calling it a day uh and just trying to high roll you draw a sweeper early and so yeah. if you, and you know can still how win. to sideboard around those effectively yeah. you you can still do well you can still beat an early sweeper yeah. too like it's not it's not unheard of it's like here's a good example i remember when hogak was legal because you know it's decks called the hogak i don't know if you remember this i played it in a tournament and like usually I'm the kind of person that shies away from that and tries to beat that kind of strategy or whatever. But I was like, I'm going to try this. And so I just played in a tournament and it was one of the easiest wins of my life in a tournament. It was like a local PTQ or something like that, right? And I would like 9-0 or something or 10-0 or whatever. And I just remember like how many times, how much pressure it put on my opponents to have perfect hands against me. And then even when they had the good hands, I remember they would like mulligan to six and be like, oh, ley line. And I'd just be like, you know, if it's a sideboard game, I'd be like, play a land, play a land, assassin sure for your ley line, next turn, do three things, put Hogak into play, go. Or, like, I would just have Force of Vigor in my hand when they ley lined me. You know, like, and they'd have to aggressively mulligan to ley line or aggressively mulligan into a hand that could do something. Or they'd be like, you know, turn one Thoughtseize, and I would just, like, show them my hand, and I'm like, it's, like, it doesn't matter. Like, my deck's so busted, it's not gonna matter. Like, what are you gonna take? So, whenever there's a deck that's good, that puts a bunch of pressure onto your opponent to have all the right answers at the right time, you have a good recipe for a deck that's going to do very well. So I do think that it's a good choice this weekend, and if I had time to test, it might be the deck that I'd be playing this weekend. Well, it's not Hogak, so let's get uh, that yeah, out of the No, 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 that's, that, <laughs> I'm not, that's what I said. People are calling it that, I'm not comparing yeah. it to that. That deck was actually broken. Was yeah. Actually, especially, this was after the the banning of Bridge when the deck actually got better, in my opinion. Yeah. It did. When it like, made people just make the better version of Hogak instead of this, like, well, we have these two different ways to do that. I'm like, how about we just do one thing really good <laughs> instead of like two things very, very good? I'm going to do the really, really good. But I, 
it's this is where I just differ a slight tiny bit to the like that overall thought process of like, oh, it's not a good choice for this weekend because everyone's targeting it. Like everyone was targeting red black at the arena championship last week. Guess what won the tournament? Red black. Yeah. It just beat Jess guy multiple times. Like I, uh, in, in the hands of great players. Yeah. I, I don't apply that reasoning to fair strategies. If it's like a you know, aggro mid range kind of control deck, um and sure it, that makes sense. That, Ilk, the, the ones that are very combo oriented, like, you know, this is a sort of aggro combo deck. I, w- I would describe it as the Boros Convoke deck. It's very synergy driven. Uh, so th- those are the decks that I would prefer to play when they're un, you know, unheralded and under the radar. So, you know, because the, the other, the, the fair decks, you have a lot more malleability, you know, both in terms of how you build your deck uh, and, you know, in terms of, you know, how you approach different matchups. The Boros deck seems to have a uh, a lot of variability in how you build it. I think that's mostly because we're not done exploring it and and the builds will sort of coalesce in the in the coming weeks and we'll start to see a stock build emerge. I think especially after a, you know a round or two of 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 RCQs, I don't know if the US is the only one this weekend, I would imagine there's a couple uh of of because there's like what 12 RCs across the world over the next Something like that, yeah. several weeks. Um so that we'll we'll start to see a, a stock build emerge. It's, I don't think it's that there are different builds and they're all reasonable. It's just about figuring out which one is best. Um, and uh, yeah, if you do have the, the best one and your sideboard's really good and you're prepared to handle a field with you know everybody has two extra mini sweepers in their sideboard, then I I think you can do well. But that's just a tough task for linear decks. Like your deck is vulnerable to those kinds of cards. And, you know, if your opponent is able to answer a 4-4, then sweep the rest of your board, there's not a, a ton left for you to do uh, if they can do it in a timely manner and do it consistently. So uh, I shied away from it for this weekend, um, but uh, I do expect it to be one of the, let's say, four most played decks in the room. And I don't expect it to have like a nightmare weekend, like you know Azorius Control did in Spain. I think it was Spain. That last was weekend. horrific, by the way. Maybe like all yeah. time horrific. W- w- one of like thirty two or thirty three made day two. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it was like, I don't it think was we're very we're low. Going, the- gearing up for something like that. I think it will be a, a reasonable performing deck, maybe slightly below average, um, but that'll mainly be people who are showing up with old builds that didn't you know properly update the deck maybe people that you know played two leagues ran hot went nine one and they're like this deck's hogak i'm just i'm just running it um Mm -hmm. but the people that put in the work and have the best builds i think will do well yeah and i i do think that is weird just to say this quote unquote it's it's the deck to beat this weekend you know quote unquote like you know what I'm saying? Like, I it, mean, it, it's it's the new thing. Like, I, I we haven't really seen a deck f- a completely emerge like this in Pioneer in, in quite a long time. Like, even even things like you know Gruel Boats or or Lotus Field were decks that were on the fringe for a little while before people realized that you know, hey, this deck's a lot better than we're giving it credit for. This deck came out of nowhere. It, it, it is newly built. Obviously, Knight Errant of Eos is a recently printed card. That's you know, big and Gleeful Demolition. So. You know, this is not a deck that was possible to build six months ago. Um, mm-hmm. So, the, and I, I can't remember the last time we've had something like that happen in Pioneer, where just the 
you know, a completely new, new deck emerges. Um, well, yeah, we had the, like, Atraxa deck come up. You know, Brent did really well with it. Uh, and that one proved to, like, possibly be maybe a tiny bit of a flash in the pan, but, like, you know, yeah, there's a chance... Same with Rona. Yeah. I, I think this deck is, is yeah. a, a, a level above those as much as our uh, compatriot is still a Rona aficionado. We're referring to uh, Brennan DeCandio, who yeah. I, I think we could, we could say that he's playing it this weekend because by the time this comes out, it's not going to matter. Uh, yeah. This might come out in time for the RC, but even then the decks will be submitted if this the comes out like Friday. are due 6 p.m. on Friday. I yeah, will this, be submitting this... mine on Thursday night since my <laughs> plane doesn't land until 5. <laughs> sure. Do you want to tell everybody what you're playing mm-hmm. and, and why? Because you're, I... you're playing a choice that I don't think people would have guessed. No, no. This is a deck I've actually been thinking about for several weeks, and I waffled on it, but ended up pulling the trigger. Uh, and I'll I'll write up in our Discord, you know, a, a longer thing. But uh, I am playing Azorius Spirits. Yes. This is the sort of newer build of the deck that is more like Mono Blue Spirits splashing Spellcaller than it is like the bigger Azorius Spirits decks that you've seen. So basically, eschewing Ascended Spirit, which I think is the worst card in Mono Blue, and as soon as Mono Blue gets a re- another reasonable one drop, I'd be more inclined to play that version. But Ascended Spirit just fucking sucks. So uh, get that one out and just play Spellqueller. Because one of the things that I've I noticed with Spirits recently, especially with Mono Blue, is it's much more of an aggro deck than it was the like Curious Obsession deck that we remember from Standard. You know that deck didn't have as many creatures because Tempest Gin was such a heavy hitter. You could rely on that. Um, and, uh, you know, Terramander, you had a couple of in your one-drop slot could get big late in the game, so you had these big threats. Uh, instead, the Spirit stack has to play Supreme Phantom and a, and a higher density of creatures, so you're much more of an aggro deck with not as many counterspells. So being able to fit Spellqueller into the deck and have extra counterspells without affecting your threat density is a huge boon to the sort of curious obsession, protect the queen game plan. You're mm-hmm. able to, you know... Uh, counter two or three things much more consistently and run away with the card advantage uh, the way that the old standard deck used to. But ultimately, I think this is Spirits overall, both builds are reasonable. I just think Azorius is better. Uh, But I think it's been largely overlooked because it does have a relatively weak Rakdos matchup, but a lot of decks do. And I think the deck is basically good against like everything else. Because Rakdos, while a bad matchup, it suppresses even worse matchups, namely the other aggressive decks in the format. Um, though yeah, it's really hard for your deck to beat like one drop and a two drop that's aggressively slanted. You do not block super well. Yeah, and, like you don't get to utilize the the strength of your deck when you're behind on board as much. You know, Supreme Phantom helps a lot, so you're it's not as polarizing as the old standard deck that was really bad against aggro decks. Um, Tell me more. <laughs> I in fact, this, like, but... most most of the data shows spirits ahead against humans, which seems weird to me. But um, if you have enough creatures and Shacklegeist and, and Supreme Fandoms, I think you can do it because spirits. If you're able to to keep up with them on the battlefield, the fact that all your creatures fly and none of theirs do is a huge advantage. You just get to control the pacing of the game. So if you know mm-hmm. what you're doing, you can usually pace it in a way that you come out ahead. Um, but a lot of the other like low to the ground aggro decks are not what you want to play against. So oddly enough, I'm going into the tournament hoping not to play against too much Rakdos or Boros Convoke. <laughs> Those are like the two bad matchups. Um, but you I don't think it's literally the rest of the field. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I just feel really good against everything else. And while uh, at the Pro Tour, I decided to play the deck that was good against Rakdos Midrange and Rakdos Sacrifice and just take my lumps elsewhere. 
I think that was a mistake because Rakdos Sacrifice or Rakdos Midrange is the exact kind of deck that plays games where I'm going to be able to outplay my opponents. So I'm hoping to just gain a little bit of edge in that matchup and like split them, you know, instead of being, you know, a 42 to 45% matchup. If I can just go, you know, 1-1 in my two matchups against Rakdos or 2-2 in my four matchups if I'm a little unlucky and play against it a lot, um, you know, that would be fine because I just feel so good against, you know, Monogreen Devotion, against Lotus Field, against all of the, like, go-over-the-top decks, whether it's, uh, you know, um, uh, Fires of Invention or the new Omnath deck. I noticed the, you know, the the new, um, what is it, Nissa, the one that Nissa. is like Lotus yeah. Cobra? Sure. People yeah. playing that with uh, with one of the new, uh, you know, that new cycle of lands. So, like, immediately you sacrifice and fetch when it enters the battlefield. As the a, storefront stuff? Like yeah, the, alongside yeah. Fable Passage. You had sort of sure. like eight fetch lands to go with your Lotus Cobra and Omnath um, and a bunch of card advantage. It was... I almost saw a list that was, it looked like Niv-Mizzet without Niv-Mizzet. It was a Bring the Light deck, but instead of having to play a bunch of crappy gold cards so that your Niv-Mizzet works, it was like, we don't really need that. We'll just yeah. play other powerful cards to Bring the Light for, Omnath and Nissa, and we'll be fine. Um, I saw that do well last weekend, so like decks like that, I'm just very happy to play it, against. It feels like Money Pile from Modern. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I... That's where I'm I'm sort of positioning myself the complete opposite of what I did in February at the Pro Tour. And mm-hmm. I, I think that is going to end up better because I think the the matchups that I'm good in are the ones where you just don't have as much play. Um, you know, wh- when you're behind to Mono Green Devotion, it's just it's very hard to like outplay them because what they're doing is so straightforward. Like they're just playing their cards and grinding through your removal. Um the one thing thing I'm a little worried about is the emergence of Polucranos in Mono Green. Obviously, mm-hmm. like a pretty big problem from my that, strategy that a... of attacking with small flyers. Yeah, you can usually ignore old growth troll. You cannot ignore this card. Yeah, the the four five reacher is a little bit harder. So I do think that matchup has gotten a little bit worse, but structurally it was so favorable to begin with that I don't think adding, you know, three copies of a Polucranos is really gonna turn it around. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, best of luck to you this weekend. Hopefully you can dodge at least a few of the the bad matchups it, it, as much as possible this weekend. I think dodging it completely is going to be asking a lot. No, my, my goal is to only play against Rakdos twice, which is a little bit lucky because I think three is probably the most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I play against it three times, I'm going to have to hope, you know, generally hope to go 2-1 against it if I want to do really well. Um I just hope I don't, you know, play against Mono Rat. Like, you know, first four rounds is like two Rakdos, two Boros, and I'm just like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> Take my lumps, play yeah. play on Sunday or whatever. Yeah, but uh, this is sort of where I where I positioned myself previously in the format, though. With with is it Phoenix? Like Phoenix was good against Mono Green. It was weak to Rakdos, but you had a lot of play in the matchup, and so I felt comfortable being able to gain some of that percentage back and make the matchup close um and and that went pretty well for me so i think i'm yeah. like you know it's a very different deck that i'm doing it with but i'm positioning myself in a very similar way and th- that's another reason i, I like sp- spirits and have liked it for you know a couple months now because a decline in is it is it phoenix was like a heinous matchup spirits just like could never beat phoenix 
uh, you know, they're all cheap removal card advantage and really powerful threats that you have a hard time answering. Yeah. Uh, and your counter spells are, are quite bad. And then they board in mystical disputes and it gets even worse. And, uh, yeah. it's just a, a nightmare the entire time. So the, uh, huge decline in Phoenix is a really, really good thing for, for spirits. And yeah. one of the main reasons why it, I think it went from, you know, fringe strategy to something that I think is very competitive right now. I was actually going to ask that is like, where do you, what do you think about Phoenix right now? Cause I actually think there's a chance that that deck's actually good for this weekend. I think you can look at it and say, oh, this deck should be good against Boros Convoke, but I don't actually think it is. You don't think it is in even practice? If, okay. Even if you main deck four Thing in the Ice, I just don't think Thing is fast enough. Yeah. Like you you literally have to cast it on turn two and transform it on turn four, and uh, is that good enough on the draw? Yeah, Because that's not. the fastest you could possibly be with it. Yeah. It's not like... If this was like Modern and you had Gutshot and Manamorphose and you were turn three transforming, it's a different story. You know, yeah, one makes turn makes it makes the entire difference there. But the fact that Thing in the Ice isn't a reliable sweeper is a problem. So, yeah, you can play, you know, some uh, Brotherhood's Ends in your sideboard, and that'll help. But your spot removal is, like, pretty weak against them. Any of your draws where you're just, like, putzing around with cantrips, if you just have, like, turn one, consider, turn two, Ledger Shredder, turn three, pieces of the puzzle, are you ever winning that game? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, the, I I think Phoenix is much better against more straightforward aggro decks like humans, you know, that are just like playing one threat a turn. They're going a little wide, but this sort of like combo, you know, spray the battlefield really quickly, very low to the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, aggro deck is, is a much different story because you just spend so much time manipulating your deck with cantrips and pieces of the puzzle um, that you, you and you just get those decks really punish you for that wasted time. So I do yeah. think Phoenix is in a better spot right now than it has been um, because Lotus Field isn't as popular as it was a month ago. It has declined yeah. a little bit, but it hasn't declined enough. That's the big thing for Phoenix. Phoenix needs Lotus Field to decline because that matchup is basically unwinnable. All right. It makes sense. And, and that, so that could be a good thing about Boros Convoke. Like, I'd much rather play that matchup than Lotus Field, and Boros Convoke should smash Lotus Field. Uh -huh. you, know, you, you just kill them on turn four like every game. <laughs> yeah that makes sense so well all right i think that covers a decent bit of uh what's gonna go on this weekend of the rc like i said it's in dallas uh ross will be there i will be there brent is uh, i'm assuming gonna be there as well <laughs> this weekend so all of all of the disc i mean all of the people from this podcast are gonna be there plus brent the candy is gonna be there we've mentioned him kind of like in passing yeah, twice he's I an honorable member of the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah just because he's and we mentioned team bcw is often so uh, he does get to play a little bit every now and then. You know, he won an RCQ and is uh, going to be out here playing in the RC. So there's going to be a lot of fun. He's playing, I, I would technically call this a brew. It's not like an unknown brew, but it's like not an established, established deck. Yeah, you know, it hasn't really put up the results. It's like brew-ish, brew adjacent. Yeah. Which is which is Britain's thing. Oh, yeah, that's what he does now. In Atlanta, he played in Enchantress. Yeah. Or... Oh, yeah, and he didn't do well with it, but his his main testing partner, I think, top forward that event. You yeah, know, did really well, qualified for the Pro Tour, made made a bunch of money. Uh, had an unusable uh interview when I interviewed him because he was just so much energy. I just could not contain the guy during the interview. So like, <laughs> he was just a mess. <laughs> like, yeah, I, he was, was like, like an over excited the moon. puppy. It yeah, it was like it, it was nothing against him, like whatsoever. It was just like you know, I'd go to ask a question, he would just start answering before the mic was there, and then like I'd start talking with the mic in front of me, and he would like answer the question. And I'm like, hold on, man, <laughs> like this is a turn-based yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a 
There's a, a rhythm there's here. An ebb and flow. There's an ebb and flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, we're looking to fix that as well. We might have a two-mic system sometime soon because we have the technology, you know? <laughs> you know kind of but uh, I wish you were getting in a little earlier on Friday so we could do a little, you know, work on your deck and stuff. But I do have some stuff planned with some people to By the showcase time I land, really my deck cool will still decks. be in, so. Well, you know, it's just if if you're at the site and we have time, I could, like, maybe do an interview with you, like, what are you playing so we can why, et cetera. Because oh, sure. I have one set up with another really good player that's playing a really cool deck this weekend, one that you haven't seen. Uh, once you see the list, you're going to be like, Oh man, I, I wish I wish I had the list for this deck because I see it. I'm like, this is really cool. I really like this. Uh, it's been heavily tested, and I trust the person when they said that. They think they're going to do really well this weekend, and it's good against the good decks. So that's good enough for me. If you have found a deck that beats both Rakdos and Mono Green, yeah. Tell you what, I will message the person and ask if you can see the list, and then if you want, you can you can do what you want with the you know the 48 hours or whatever you've got. Yeah, sure. I'm I, I'm not. I am not opposed to an audible tan. Yeah. I've done it before. I, I, know. I know. One of the I opens know. I won, I audibled the night before and bought my yeah. cards in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Had never uh, played a game with the deck. One of the only times I audibled, like, it wasn't that crazy of one, is it's it's on camera somewhere. I audibled which version of Delver before the tournament. Like, I went from, like, you know, bug to rug or something like that, and I forgot to swap my fetches. <laughs> And so my fetches weren't just perfect. Like I had a fetch in my deck that is perfect in the other version, but this one could only get a specific deck and it comes up in one round. And I'm just like, God, I hate myself so much right now. Cause you know, to swap the cards in and out real fast, like 30 was for the tournament. I was like, all right, register this, register that. Didn't think about it. Yeah. And then in my game, I tried to get a land that I couldn't get. And I was just like, Oh my God, like I'm so bad. What a you cheater tannin. Yeah, I know. Right? It's just, it's just me being you so very hard. Dumb. Please, please do it. I, it. It'd probably be an upgrade of my life. <laughs> All right. I love you, Ross. But uh, for everyone at home, thanks for listening this week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our talk about the RC coming up. We're going to talk about the RC results on the next show and what we got right, what we got wrong, what it's going to mean for Pioneer going forward. Because I do think that this weekend is going to heavily in fact, I- impact the Pioneer metagame more so than any of the last couple of events that we've had in Pioneer. Because this is the first really big showing for Red White on like a grand stage and paper and stuff like that. So I'm really excited for it. And there's part of me that was hoping you were going to play the deck because that's a really cool Onithopters for you to borrow. I have like nice Antiquities Onithopters. Yeah. Oh, don't tempt me. Oh, I, I have like really nice Antiquities Onithopters. Uh, aren't Night Errant of Eosis like a billion dollars now? Yeah, they're like a twenty or thirty dollar rare or something. But yeah. like, I'm sure we have two weeks ago. I they have were $3. a box of that set unopened and just need to open it up. I, but like, I don't even know what set it's from. Uh, do, do, you think I do? Yeah, <laughs> come on. I don't know what set any card is from. <laughs> I'm actually way better at it than you are. But yeah, yeah so. you'd have to be. You do coverage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the funny part. Uh, I, I love getting paired with Joe Lossett for coverage because if the card isn't its normal art, he's like fifty percent to get it right. <laughs> like that's you generous. know in modern someone someone <laughs> else play a land and he's like i have no idea what it is i'm like that's a breeding pool you know or that's a misty raid forest because there's you know 17 different arts of all of them so that's my main job when working with him is uh is that and not to put people to sleep because he has that very monotone you know voice that's Hypnotic. like you should you should be reading books to put people to sleep <laughs> love you buddy but uh i don't think he listens to this but i'll see him this weekend so uh, for everybody that's listening, uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully you hear this before the RC and you come up and say hello to Ross, Brent, or I this weekend. Uh, make sure you do. We miss all of you and we miss seeing you all in person. This is one of the only, you know, there's not many events where we're all at. So I'm super excited for this. I think this but is the for first one. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, you and I have been in a few. I think this might yeah. be the first one that has Brent involved as well. Yeah. Where you've, you've been there because I've, I've seen Brent at a few events. All right. Anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time.